you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. G'day, mates. It's Bee Buster here. And before the episode begins, I would just like to let you know that Be Scared, which is produced along with Studio 71 features scary stories from around the globe on a weekly basis that aim to fuel your nightmares with a smile. And if you enjoy the podcast, it would be great if you could hit that subscribe button and drop a review. Thanks for listening, guys. And without further ado, let's begin. This story takes place years ago. Around 2008 or 2009, I think. I was about 14 years old and going through a, a just a really hard time with my parents and a hard time with early teen years as a whole. I had a room in the basement where I stayed cooped up most of the time and I had my own computer too. Around this time, Facebook and MSN Messenger chat rooms were pretty popular and honestly, I don't remember how I started speaking to this guy, but... I ended up connecting with a man who told me that he was 35, but that he knew that I was mature enough to know the truth and have adult conversations with. He, uh, he played with my head a lot, and this only came out after days of chatting, too. We continued to chat more and more often, too, and he complimented me and made me feel like I was the most amazing person ever. And this escalated to personal details being shared, and eventually, webcam chats. Now that I'm in my mid-twenties, looking back at 14-year-old me, I cannot understand why an adult his age would take such an interest. I was just a kid, plain and simple. But he slowly became lovey, if that's the right word, and would call me pet names and start flirting and all that. Every so often, he would back away and claim that it was wrong, but I would fight and convince him that I was mature for my age and no one needs to know and blah blah blah. I see now that this was his tactic. He had no intention of just letting me be. In fact, scheduled webcam times became typical and steady. He made me trust him and he made me want him and crave his presence. He made me feel better when I was in a turbulent time in my life and he turned me against my family too, one small step at a time. And eventually, we began saying... uh, I love you to each other and he wanted to buy me some plane tickets to save me from my parents as he could take care of me better than they ever could. He told me stories of how things would be, how I could go live in Mexico with him and learn to speak Spanish. All of these just wonderful things and no one has to know. He could arrange the whole thing and I just need to be sneaky about it. My heart honestly pounds as I remember how close I came to doing it too. I... 
Honest to God, nearly did. I don't remember exactly how this all ended, but I believe I invited a friend over to webcam with him or something, and she just flipped out about it all. At the time, it seemed so great that I just so happened to fall onto someone so caring and wonderful. I mean, heck, he would have flown me to a tropical paradise straight into his loving arms, right? And I needed love, but now I just get chills thinking of what would have happened. I mean, what kind of adult flirts with a child? Makes these sort of plans with a child? I can't even imagine what his plans were and if he ended up moving on to someone else. So I'm 18 years old and I currently live in Egypt. I'm half Egyptian and I moved here about two years ago. So I don't really know how to deal with uh, people in here. And by people, I mean troublemakers. The place I live in is pretty decent and I actually go to a private school so I never have to encounter any troublemakers really. My dad travels a lot, and since I'm the oldest of my siblings, I do most of the shopping, so I always get the groceries and almost everything from big malls. But one day, my hour-long trip just turned into a complete nightmare. So, I drive a pretty good car. Not a sports car or supercar or anything, but a pretty uh, a good car for an average youngster in the Middle East. It's an SUV. And... About three weeks ago, I had a list of groceries to grab, so I went to the mall and did the shopping and paid for it, and I just got out of there. I also decided to try that new vegan burger that I see every day on Facebook, and got one burger, soda, fries, and walked to the parking lot. As I did this, I saw this kid who I thought was maybe 15-ish, and he actually looked pretty homeless to me, so I decided to give him my fries, just to help out and all. So, I dropped the bags on the back seat and I was even thinking of talking to him maybe to hear his story or something. I was just really urged to help him after seeing him like that and I go over to him and shake his hand and I ask him what he's doing out here and he said that he was on the way to my village but lost all of his money. Now, a lot of people have warned me about this scam but I felt like he was actually in a really bad situation so I asked a few more questions like where does he live is he in school? What are you doing in the city? I was out of the compound that I lived in at the time and he said that he was working with someone and he sells stuff on the street and he sold the goods but he lost his money. I actually felt really horrible for him so I offered him a ride to the bus station and enough money to get him there. It wasn't much but it'd be enough for a ticket and maybe a little bit of change. It was almost on my way anyway, only two turns away. I didn't feel anxious at all at that point and I actually told him a bit about my private life. Not really just what I do but where I live and all that. Before I head out of the mall though, the security comes and asks me if he's causing any trouble and I said no that he was alright. At the time, I actually thought it was pretty disgusting for him to assume that this poor guy was a bad person. But anyway, we head out and I shared my burger with him and even gave him the soda and he starts guiding me through the road and it was all fine until he asked me to take a turn to a dirt road. Now, I don't really know where the bus station is but I knew for sure that it wasn't there. I said that I'll just check it on my phone and he said alright and that it's just a short route away and that's when I started questioning his story in my head. 
I was relieved that he didn't insist on anything, but still, I was certain that a public bus station would be more public and he wouldn't be able to do anything, right? So I was still safe. What made me really suspicious though was the phone call that he made eventually where he called someone and said something like, Hey X, meet me at the one below the bridge, I got the goods. Now, I was like what the hell is he talking about? I don't see any goods. Before we arrive, I said sorry it's dark and you can walk there and I'll drop you on the road right across and he said yeah that's alright. I sighed at this and was a little bit relieved, but, but then he called the guy again and told him that I'll be out on the road and I'm in a white SUV and at that point, I began to get really anxious. So, we arrive and holy shit, what happened next was not cool. There, right on the road, I see probably seven guys who were obviously looking for me. Now, it was on a highway, so I thought switching lanes at the last minute would be okay. But as I began to get closer and look around, I also see another huge group of people on the other side. I even noticed that one of them had something that looked like a stick. They spot me and they start waving and shouting and he says, yes, you can drop me here. And I say, hell no. I took the middle lane and gassed away and they were shouting and running after me and I look at him and say that if he doesn't want me to drop him here that I can only stop at the police station which was the complete other way and he says that that's okay that I can drop him here. I said okay but make it fast and he gets out but then puts his hand on the handle to try and keep the door open. I changed the gear and I just take a sharp turn to his side and I adjusted the wheel and just sped the fuck out of there as he let go. I don't know what would have happened if they had caught me that day, if I was going to be mugged or maybe it was some sort of drug dealer shit. I don't know what the hell was going on, but the whole thing was just so sketchy. Back when I was 16, I'm nearly 27 now. I briefly dated a guy named Tyler for what was maybe almost five months I think. We broke up when my mum's job moved us uh, almost three states away. We were young and I didn't want to maintain a long distance relationship while I was trying to adjust to moving from what had been my home of 10 years and starting a new school and all that. We actually stayed casual friends until a mutual told me that He'd actually begun spreading gross rumors that he'd popped my cherry before I left and after I called to confront him about it, he even admitted to it. I told him that I never wanted anything to do with him again and blocked him on Facebook and his number from my phone and all that and that quite honestly, I didn't even spare him a second thought until three years later. So, I just moved into my first apartment with my boyfriend of two years and two of our friends I had a job I loved, a great relationship with our roommates, and it was an ideal arrangement for all of us, really. But one night, I opened my Yahoo account, though, for the first time in a little over a year from my desktop, rather than my phone app. And immediately, I had an instant message from Tyler. I had forgotten that back when I used the desktop version frequently, my settings had me automatically logged into the messenger, and I hadn't removed him from my contacts and all that. By now, we were both nearly 21 and I had done a lot of growing up, so 
I assumed Tyler probably had too, and was initially comfortable catching up with him. He'd always been a, a bit awkward, but I was too, and the conversation was fairly pleasant. Just the usual how-have-you-beens and whatnot, with me doing most of the talking since, in comparison, I'd had more opportunities granted to me where I live now compared to my and Tyler's hometown, where he still lived. Eventually, we signed off since I had worked the next day, and while I wouldn't have considered us friends again, I was happy it was civil. But then, he started getting uh, just weird. Eventually, I added him on Facebook, and he would just randomly send me messages about going through my pictures and liking how much I had grown up and what a woman I'd become. At first, I brushed it off as awkward flattery, but then he started talking about the things he wanted to do to me, the sexual things, and I firmly reminded him that I had a serious boyfriend now and how inappropriate his comments were. He would apologize, only to do it all over again the next day, and I got sick of it and blocked him again and told him on Yahoo that if he didn't stop, I'd be contacting the authorities. It was a bluff meant to hopefully scare him and it worked for a few hours before he decided to send a message detailing the violent sexual things that he wanted to do to me again. At this point, I was beyond annoyed and disgusted so I told him that if he ever contacted me again, I would send the screenshots of everything that he'd said to his very Christian mother who was graciously letting him live rent free with her. I blocked him on my Yahoo account after that and never heard from him again assuming that he was just now out of my life. And oh, how I wish that was the end of it. So fast forward a few years, I'm 25, happily married, and my husband and I have just returned to the States after living in Japan for a few years due to his military career. Shortly after we got settled in at our new place, I took a trip to my hometown to spend time with my family and catch up with a few friends. Over coffee, a long-time mutual friend of mine and Tyler's, Amber, divulged to me that Tyler had been cyber-stalking me. Okay, I thought, but that's not really anything serious, right? I mean, I had nothing to hide from anyone, and I was blissfully happy and all, but she started going into detail. So, I had moved three times to two different states and then to Japan since I had last spoken to Tyler, and was now living in a, a third new state, and Amber said that each time I moved... Tyler would suddenly just talk about wanting to attend university and whatever city that I'd moved to. And when I moved to Japan, he claimed to be saving up to vacation there, specifically the area that we were stationed in rather than a place in Tokyo or Okinawa or the other big tourist cities. It was weird to be sure, and Amber told me that she knew Tyler was stalking my Facebook under a fake name. He uh, apparently openly admitted to her, but he would never tell her the name that he used. She was really concerned about his behavior and even admitted that she was only in touch with him because of it. In truth, apparently, he'd become infamous in our circle of mutual friends for just being a creep and sexually harassing several women, successfully chasing all of them off. I felt really uncomfortable with this knowledge too. If her timeline of things were true, then... He'd been keeping up with my movements for nearly six years now. But, but what could I do about it? Neither of us knew what name he was using, and if all he was doing was following when and where I moved, I didn't think that there was any harm to it beyond just creeping me out, since he was very unlikely to be able to afford to travel to wherever I was at the time anyway. 
So I went home and just eventually forgot what Amber had told me since there really wasn't anything I could do about it anyway. I wasn't receiving any harassing emails or texts so it was just out of sight out of mind, right? Months passed and I went to work as usual and life went on. I was a hostess at an upscale local restaurant and one night a co-worker, a fellow hostess named Gina said, Oh hey, uh, you had a friend stop by here yesterday. A friend? I'd moved here nearly a year ago by now, but the only friends that I had were my co-workers. When I asked her who, assuming it was just a, a regular that I was friendly with or something, I felt my heart stop when she replied, Tyler. I asked if she was sure and she vaguely described his appearance, assuring me that she told him that I was off that day and she didn't know when I would work next. Hiding my panic, I claimed to not know anyone named Tyler and that maybe he was looking for a previous employee. My first name is actually really common and I just excused myself to the bathroom. Sure enough, there was a message from Amber when I opened my phone. She'd apparently come home from work to see a Facebook post, which she screenshot and sent to me about a friend of hers and Tyler's visiting the city next to where I lived, which is a huge tourist attraction, and Tyler had gone with him. The restaurant I currently worked for only had maybe seven locations scattered in various areas surrounding the tourism hub, each with a company name and an add-on depending on the specific location in town to make them easy to find. The co-workers I was friends with would tag me as checked in with them on Facebook when we would have drinks together after work and whatnot, and it seemed that Tyler had used them to find out which one I worked at. Terrified now, I spoke to my manager and told him everything that Amber had told me and that Tyler had apparently showed up looking for me, and blessedly, he let me have the following day off. I still had to finish my shift though, we had no one available who could cover for me to go home, but... He gave me tasks that would keep me away from working the front door and since it was a slow night, Gina let me go home first after I'd filled her in on the situation and all. I immediately called my husband when I clocked out too and he picked me up rather than letting me walk home like I usually did. Thankfully, my husband had recently decided to switch military branches and would have to go to training for a few months and we decided that it would be better for both of us if I moved to his hometown to be near our family. I gave my job my two weeks notice the next day, much sooner than planned mind you, but my manager already knew that I was moving away and understood that I probably wanted to quit now rather than later given all the situation. It's been seven months since then and I'm happily living near my mother-in-law, literally on the opposite side of the country from my hometown and our last location, and have a close-knit little group of friends in our apartment complex, but I did a complete overhaul of my Facebook settings. No one can tag me in any location or picture without my manual approval now and my current location is unlisted to anyone not on my friend list. Amber still has Tyler on her Facebook but she says that they rarely speak anymore after he was recently served with a restraining order by a mutual friend of ours. In other words, it seems like I wasn't the only person that he was stalking and I'm not surprised given the stories of him that had been floating around our old circle of friends for quite some time. I must admit that I still get a little anxious every now and then, especially when I remember how close Tyler came to finding me, but I still don't understand why he's kept track of me for so long, and to be quite honest, I don't think I ever want to know.
G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. And before the stories continue, I would just like to give a huge shout out to Shudder for actually sponsoring this episode. So if you guys don't know about Shudder, it's actually a streaming service with fantastic thrillers, horror, and suspense shows, uh, podcasts, and movies, all for only $4.99 a month or $49.99 for the entire year. It has the largest, fastest-growing, human-curated selection of horror shows anywhere, and I like to think of them as uh, like the Netflix of horror. They provide spine-tingling thrillers, shocking horrors, and edge-of-your-seat suspense with new titles added weekly. And if you sign up now, you'll have unlimited access to stream ad-free on all of your favorite devices like your iPhone, your iPad, Apple TV, Xbox One, Android, and even more. I personally think Shudder is great because, as well as containing a unique collection of uh, exclusive and original films and series, if you enjoy horror classics and some of the modern stuff like I do, then you can find movies on there like Psycho, Halloween, The Evil Dead, The Shining, and also blockbuster hits like It, The Ring, and even the new Michael Myers Halloween movie. Just, honestly, a massive selection of everything that you could ever want. But one of my favorite things about them, actually, was the smooth and user-friendly interface that they provide. They have this great feature that I haven't seen anywhere else where you have the ability to access what they call collections of shows that are organized by genre. And it was awesome being able to go through entire collections of horror genres really quickly and just find a movie or series within the genre just so simply. But one of my favorites was the Alien Intruder collection, and I could watch that stuff for hours, honestly. And while you'll find just so many titles that I know you guys are going to love, some exclusives that I found and personally enjoyed were the Channel Zero Creepypasta seasons and Wolf Creek the series. I don't know what it is about Wolf Creek, but it always just gets me. They also have some really interesting podcasts available, which I'll be checking out personally, but if you're a little like me and sometimes you don't know exactly what you want to watch, they also have this really great feature where they have a constant stream of shows on Shutter TV that you can just kick back to and enjoy. And not only all of that, but Shutter have actually been kind enough to offer all of you guys in the hive here a 30-day trial for free for the spooky season. All you have to do to access this free 30-day trial is go to shutter.com forward slash podcast. That's S-H-U-D-D-E-R and use the promo code SCARED. Again, let's go to shutter.com forward slash podcast, S-H-U-D-D-E-R and use the promo code SCARED. I really do hope you guys take advantage of the free trial here because it's honestly a really generous offer and it will be great over the month of Halloween for everyone. So another huge thank you to Shudder for their very generous 30-day free trial offer to all of us here in the Hive. And without further ado, here are the rest of the stories. True crime was and is one of my favorite genres of entertainment. I love reading about serial killers and stalkers and things like that because none of it had ever touched my life personally. But since this happened, it's become much less rooted in fantasy and I'm now looking out for red flags everywhere. So, during my sophomore year in college, I was a volunteer teaching assistant for an on-campus international student program in the Northeast. Basically, it was the last step students had to take to get a certificate telling potential schools and employers that I can speak English really well and here's proof. The students tended to come in groups selected by programs in their home countries. So, 
one semester we might have a lot of Chinese and Brazilian students and the next we'd have Koreans and Saudi Arabians and this particular semester there were a lot of people from Mexico and they all lived in an off-campus housing complex called the Suites. Now my position as I've said was just as a volunteer. I'd had some friends from the program in the past and they knew I wanted to teach English abroad so they put in a good word for me with the staff so that I could get some practical skills and experience under my belt and all that. Being an informal arrangement as it was, I had no qualms about forming personal relationships with the students. In fact, a few of us are still good friends today. I wasn't a very outgoing person at the time and though I had many friends, I hardly ever drank and I've never really been to a party per se. Hearing this, the Mexican students who threw parties just about every weekend insisted that I come to the next one. I have to admit that the party, it was really fun. It was comprised of, almost exclusively, international students, which was nice because I actually knew most of them. I actually got really drunk too and had fluent conversations in languages that I had very loose grasps on. And everything was just going great until a few of us retreated into a friend's dorm for some air. Checking their phones, a few girls realized that Pamela had not returned from Main Street yet and no one could get a hold of her. Pamela was a 19-year-old Mexican student and had gone to a local eatery after lessons that day in order to meet one of the teachers for a private tutoring session. The session was scheduled for 5pm and should not have gone longer than 7.30 and... It was 11.30 at this point and the girls were understandably worried. I asked which teacher the tutoring session was with and they told me that it was Charles. And immediately, my skin crawled. There were about five teachers at the facility and Charles was by far the sketchiest. He was around 40 years old, half Japanese American, with short but visibly flat iron black hair that partially covered his glasses. He honestly just looked like a stereotypical weirdo. So I tried to hop around between classrooms on a weekly basis to get a feel for different teaching methods, but I cut my week with Charles short because he was just uh, so creepy. But the way that he spoke to his students was condescending and mildly inappropriate, commenting on a girl's blouse or telling risque stories about his own wild college years and how they ought to take a page from his book. All of this in the middle of class, mind you. Additionally, he would always get uncomfortably close to the Latina students, grabbing their shoulders, touching the smalls of their backs, and even gazing at their breasts occasionally. Honestly, he'd never done anything too bad, but he just creeped me and everyone else the fuck out. And so... After sharing some creepy Charles stories, we were all pretty freaked out and ready to do something. The last anyone had heard from Pam was at 5.15 when she texted and said that her phone was going to die, but she would figure out a way home when the tutoring session was over. It was the middle of winter in the northeastern US and a blizzard warning was in effect too. The dinner she was at was a three mile walk from the suites and a few girls suggested that she was bunkering down until the warning let up. The problem was... That could be days. Another theory was that she got lost trying to find her way home in the snow. None of us had a car, so we told a few of the boys and they formed a search party and started walking toward Main Street. But just a few minutes later, they returned with a snow-covered Pamela in their midst. 
but being from Mexico, none of these people had properly packed for a brutal winter, so when they found her, she was absolutely freezing and soaked to the bone. So, after a hot shower and relaxing for a bit, she told us in Spanish what had happened. When she arrived at the diner, Charles was nowhere to be found. She waited 40 minutes and was about to start walking back, knowing a storm was coming, when he finally showed up. He apologized and said that he was just upstairs and had dozed off. He lived in the upstairs apartment, you see, and asked if she would mind taking the lesson up there as it was a lot more quiet. Being a, a shy and somewhat reserved person who spoke little English, she just complied. When upstairs, he started asking all sorts of questions about herself. Most she could barely answer, and when she stumbled, he would laugh and chastise her for her mistakes. He tutored her for about an hour and then made them both dinner too. It was 7pm by now and Pam wanted to leave, but he told her to eat and that he would drive her home afterward. It was pitch black, mind you, and the storm was picking up considerably at this point. He told her that a girl like you shouldn't be walking home alone at night. Pam was nervous, but she knew that he was right too, and she wasn't confident that she'd even be able to find her way home in all this snow, so she stayed. When they finished eating, Pamela went for the door, but he stopped her and asked if she would do him a favor. He went into his bedroom and beckoned for her to follow, and hesitant as she was, she peeked into the room and saw a full photo studio set up against the wall facing the bed. He told her to stand in front of the light so that he could take a few photos and then he'd take her home. Frightened and confused in a country that she was very unfamiliar with, with a man that she thought she could trust, she did as she was told and after a few minutes, the request got darker though. He showed her pictures of other girls, mostly college-age Latinas, who he had taken pictures of in various positions and states of undress and asked her if she would do some of these poses too. She said no, that she didn't want to undress, so he pulled a pair of boxer shorts and a tank top out of his top drawer and tossed them at her. He said, put these on then, just a few pictures and then we'll go, I promise. So she went into the bathroom to change into the clothes that he'd given her and she just sat there, cursing at her phone and on the brink of tears. For 5 and 10 and then 15 minutes, she couldn't remember how long she sat there until she just heard knocking on the door. He said, Pamela, come on, I was just kidding, come out of there and I'll take you home now. Not completely trusting him, but knowing that there was no other way out of this situation, she exited the bathroom. He apologized for making her feel uncomfortable and offered to drive her home, at which point she grabbed her things and said that she was fine walking and just left. He didn't go after her too and he didn't try to stop her. She did, in fact, end up getting lost too and walked around town for over an hour before the boys found her a few blocks from the complex. We urged her to tell this story to the police but they said technically that no crime was committed so she told the head of the program. Interestingly enough, he accepted it a little too easy as if he expected it and we later found out that this was apparently not the first time something like this had happened. We already knew it wasn't because he had pictures of other girls too but an especially ugly story found its way to us. So apparently the previous year 
A South American girl was really struggling in class and received tutoring from Charles. After two or three sessions, she just stopped going despite her grades not improving. She became exceedingly closed off too and just stopped going out altogether, often missing class. After a few weeks, she just dropped out of the program and flew back home. No one knew her well enough to ask why, but they all had a sneaking suspicion that it was because of Charles. And after hearing Pamela's experience, the program just immediately dropped Charles as a teacher, which just proves that this was not the first complaint against him. This last bit may also just be a rumour, but I heard from a pretty solid source that after Pamela filed the complaint, the police checked him out and Charles apparently wasn't even his real name. Turns out, he'd been using fake information to get teaching gigs around the country for the past 5 to 10 years, as he was actually a registered sex offender. He's probably in jail right now, but I'm not too sure because after this, Charles just disappeared. So in October, it will be about three years since I came alarmingly close to a real-life horror movie. So I took my now ex to the Mahitian cabins in Ohio for our one-year anniversary. It was beautiful weather and we were staying in a decked-out treehouse in the middle of the woods. I read great reviews about the place and decided it would be a perfect little getaway for us. We spent the first day just hanging out at the treehouse mostly. We watched movies, sat on the balcony, and did some exploring through the trails and whatnot. I was feeling very content and looking forward to visiting the town the next day too, and the next day we went to a, a few little shops and restaurants and decided that that night we could go to a bar and watch the baseball since we didn't have cable at the treehouse. I kind of had a bit of a cold at the time, but figured that I'd just stick it out and drink a few beers with my boyfriend so that he could watch his favorite team play. We got to the small bar around 8 or so, and immediately, we just didn't feel very welcome. The bartender was sitting with a group of local guys, and it was clear that they all knew each other, and they were pretty tight. This didn't stop my ex and his ego, though. He walked right up to them and just started ordering drinks for us. He would also get up and make the dudes high-five him every time that something good happened in the baseball game. I tried to escape his... Uh, cringe-worthy social attempts by downing a few blue moons. To my luck, or so I thought, the bartender kept bringing me beers and telling me to just help myself. I cut him off pretty quick. Uh, I'm a lightweight and already wasn't feeling so good anyway. A few more guys came into the bar and my ex started telling one of them how we weren't from around there and we were staying in the treehouses in the Mohesian woods. But suddenly though, I really started feeling dizzy and just really unwell. I don't know if it was from the cold or from the overwhelming amount of drinks in front of me or something else, but I was ready to go at that point. Also, the bar was starting to empty anyway, and I didn't like the vibe I was getting from the people around us. But once we went outside to the car and started driving, we noticed though that something just wasn't right. My ex parked in the Taco Bell across the street from the bar and saw that our tires had been slashed. Well, he starts getting pissed at this point and I'm barely half awake too and he tells me that he's going back to the bar to see if anyone has a tire iron he can use since his is bent and just won't work. So, 
Leaving drunk me in the car, he goes back in to find just one man sitting at one of the tables. Before my ex says anything, the man creepily says to him, a little birdie told me that you have a flat tire. Creeped out by this, but wanting to just get the hell out of there, my ex asks if the dude has a tire iron that he can use to replace at least one tire. The guy says that he has one at his apartment right around the corner and has my ex follow him there. When we got to this guy's apartment, suddenly he became aware that this just wasn't feeling right. This guy's apartment was just full of those big plastic barrels used to store hazardous waste and there were just stacks of paper and boxes just everywhere. The creepy dude is taking his good old time too and saying that he just needs to look a few places for the tire iron. Finally though, it clicks in my ex's head that he was lured away from the car that I was now sleeping in. He tells the creep to forget the tire iron and just runs back to the car and he turns the car on and drives back to our place on basically his rims going as fast as he can. There are no street lights, mind you, basically no one else around too, and we're driving at like 3am up a dark road hoping the car makes it. Once we get back, we realise that some of these creepy people there know where we're staying now and it could easily find us too. Needless to say, we stayed up through the night with a hatchet next to us and the first thing we did in the morning is we called to have our tyres changed and we just got the fuck out of there. I don't know what would have happened if my ex hadn't have reached the car sooner, but my mind is telling me that these guys planned to keep him away from me as long as they could for god knows what reason. Also, I don't know why the hell this guy's apartment was filled with these just plastic drums, but it was creepy. I also want to mention that everyone else we met in that town was super nice and welcoming, and don't let this story discourage you from checking the place out if you want to. On the other hand, those creepy locals from the corner bar, I sure hope that you never run into them like we did. So firstly, I'm going to tell you guys about the story of what happened to me and then after that, I'll explain the info that I found out later that revealed all the creepy stuff. So. This was in 2005 and I was living in Missoula, Montana. I was 10 years old, my 7 year old sister and I shared a bed and my best friend was also over this night having a sleepover. We were all in my big bed which was up against a window and if you looked out the window you would be at eye level with the ground. In front of you would be just the backyard and up and to the left you would see the deck that went up to the stairs level and led to the kitchen. Anyways, this night in like February or March I think, it was still cold and kind of snowy, the three of us were having a giggly sleepover in our bed and I looked out the window for a split second and I saw a deer on the deck. I showed my sister and friend and we didn't think much of it but about an hour passed and we were finally ready to go to sleep and I looked out again and saw the deer still on the deck. But this time it had two green lights or iridescent looking things. I pointed it out to my sister and friend and they saw it too and all of a sudden it moved and it was very clearly not a deer. It was definitely a person but all we could see was the silhouette and it looked like they were facing our, our kitchen door window or something. We kept watching the person and 
All of a sudden, they started moving towards the deck stairs, toward us. He got to the bottom of the stairs and stopped, probably looking at us, and just stood there for a few seconds. He must have been six feet away from the window, and it freaked us out, and we all started screaming, and he clearly heard us and just ran out of our backyard. My dad, he actually went out with his gun and called the cops, and there was nothing. And so, that was the experience. But here's the context. I didn't know this because I was young and my parents didn't say anything at the time, but during this time, all the neighbors got a notice from the local PD saying that they had information leading them to believe that a wanted killer and child molester was in the neighborhood, or at least in the area, and just to keep an eye out. I believe later that they actually released the name of this individual to be Joseph Duncan. It was like uh, the talk of the town for sure for a long time. My parents didn't tell us this explicitly, but during this time, we weren't allowed outside alone and we weren't allowed to go to the park down the street and all that stuff. So, about a month and a half later too, in Idaho, a little girl named Shasta and her brother Dylan were kidnapped and their entire family inside the house was killed with a hammer by a man named Joseph E. Duncan. What's crazy is that he actually snuck into their home in the middle of the night after scouting out their home once or twice. And he could have very well done the same to my family that night or possibly another night. He did just horrible and unspeakable things to the children and eventually killed the little boy too. He tortured that poor little girl until they were found in a Denny's. My dad and I actually watched the report moments after it happened in a, a hotel room on vacation. My family was all over this because we totally believed that that man was the one at our house that night. But one more kicker. So apparently he used night vision goggles to scope out houses of potential victims. And what did I see on that deer? Green iridescent lights or the reflections of the night vision goggles. I am totally convinced that that night when I saw the deer, that I actually saw Joseph E. Duncan getting ready to take his next victims, us. G'day mates, it's Bee Buster here. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the Be Scared podcast. And please, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss next week's episode too. Also, it would be much appreciated if you could share this new podcast with your friends and family and on social media too. Thanks again for listening, guys, and I'll see you mates in the next one. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take. Whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs, or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. 
Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that.